everybody. Hello, everyone. Hello to you, listener. This is actually exciting because I am restarting my sort of DA with DA challenge. It's Desire of Ages with the with David Ashrick, but not necessarily with David Ashrick right now. We did this challenge like a few months ago, and I wanted to go back, especially to the chapters that I haven't read before. But I'm thinking, okay, why not do this like to make me accountable? So this is. We are starting an entirely new season, season four, and that's actually fascinating and exciting at the same time. So this is going to be the first episode, and I wanted to do this because um, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome, I think. And uh, this is just a journey with the Desire of Ages. I wanted to, to start this because in uh, December or in January next year, D- Pastor David Ashrick would also be doing a another challenge and it's going to be on uh, it's either the old testament or the or the acts of the apostles which means that i wanted to also join that and i wanted to first nail this because i haven't been very consistent with the da with the challenge i was consistent for a few weeks but there were times when i hadn't been able to like really finish it so and i also had missed a lot of chapters so now I think I'm in the position to do that now because I'm in more control of my schedule, which is so great. So I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be do- doing this for 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 our soul, for our spirit, right? Okay, so let's do this. So we're going to start with chapter one, and I'm just going to be reading it, okay? And if I get insights, I'm going to share them with you as I go along. So so the length of each of each chapter would, of course, be would vary so this is me like doing the devotions and just recording this okay so i'm excited so let's just do this right but first of all let's pray dear god heavenly father thank you so much for this This is actually so wonderful it's like also david doing this and me doing this and i'm not sure if even if i had have an audience and it doesn't matter for now i just wanted to record this because this is so beautiful and um this is going to be a beautiful journey of getting to know you more, getting to know Jesus more, and growing from that, you know, from that experience. And that would be lovely. And today, we're going to start with chapter one of the Desire of Ages, God with us. And may we have a beautiful insights that will bless our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So God with us. The Desire of Ages, chapter one, God with us. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me just read that again. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I was thinking, okay, when you know God's glory you'll see that light in your your in your face it it shows it glows it radiates so you see that in Jesus he has the knowledge of the glory of god now i've read this a while before i decided to to document this on on, on this podcast i had some insights but okay let, let's just go through this and see from the days of eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ was one with the Father. So, while the origin of Jesus Christ is from eternity, he was the image of God, the image of his greatness and majesty, the outshining of his glory. So, from here you see the word image, and I noted that Jesus was the word, Jesus is the word, God's thought made audible. And we can read that, I think, in Patriarchs and Prophets. So, the point now here is that Jesus is also Jesus is also the image of God. God's God's image. So Jesus has this aspect of uh, the audio and the graphic, you know. There there's a there's the image, okay? There's the image. Now, Jesus was the image of God, the image of his greatness and majesty and majesty. The outshining of his glory. What is his glory? Now, it was to manifest this glory that he came to our world. 
Jesus came to this world. This is the the like the encompassing purpose of Jesus. Why he's come to this world, and that is to manifest God's glory to this sin-darkened earth. He came to reveal the light of God's love, to be God with us. Now, this is fascinating. God's glory is God's character, right? And so, Jesus came to our world to reveal God's love. The light of God's love. And love is God's character and that is his glory. So, this is really brilliantly put by Ellen White when she said that it was to manifest this glory that Jesus came to our world. And this glory is exactly that God's love. And now, the thing is that this sin-darkened earth is where Jesus would shine that light of God's glory. And just notice the, the words there, the picture. This earth is darkened by sin. Okay? And now Jesus is going to reveal the light. Reveal the light of God's love. Okay? The contrast between darkness and light. Now, what's really fascinating here is that We've established in the previous seasons that God is love and that is his character. And that, the opposite of that is anti-love. The opposite of that is anti-love and that is essentially sin. Okay? And anti-love causes darkness. Sin causes darkness. Right? And now, love is light and anti-love is darkness. That is so cool. That is so awesome. Right? Okay, so, and Jesus is to be God with us. He's going to show us the light of God's love, his character, by being with us. So that is so fascinating because you can only see really the, the full nature of what love is when you, when you are in a relationship. Like, there's a connection between you and the person. So Jesus, because love always acts and it you know, even if from a distance, you it always connects and acts, okay? So, he wants to demonstrate that to be God with us, to show how God would behave with us. Now, therefore it was prophesied of him, his name shall be called Emmanuel, okay? Now, by coming to dwell with us, Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. Wow. Because angels didn't know fully right the angels did not fully know <laughs> yes what what the love principle was now or the anti-love he was the word of god now oh, okay so this is co actually coming from the desire of ages too the, the 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 description of jesus as god's thought made audible so there it is in just one chapter you see god i mean you see jesus being the image and also the word he was the word of god god's thought made audible in his prayer for his disciples he says i have declared unto them thy name merciful and gracious long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth now that is describing love it's merciful and gracious and long suffering hey i have i studied um first corinthians 13 yesterday and this is so beautiful because as you can see, I have declared unto them thy name, merciful. Okay, so it's forgiving and gracious. And God, God suffers long and is kind. God is patient and kind. Right? Abundant in goodness and truth. Love rejoices in the truth. It's not rude. It's not arrogant. And love is generous. It's not envious. So it's generous. That, that is awesome. Right? Okay, so... Anyway, I have declared unto them thy name, that the love, okay, so that's the word there, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, if you're actually following me, it would be nice for you to actually read the Desire of Ages too. Okay, and, and let's just discuss the insights um, along. Now, okay. But not alone for his earth-born children was this revelation given. Our little world is the lesson book of the universe. God's wonderful purpose of grace, the mystery of redeeming love, is the theme into which angels desire to look. 
and it will be their study throughout endless ages. Now, that is so cool because, uh, well, we're, we're not the only ones learning here. All the, the angels, the angels, right, are also learning with us. Okay? And, yeah, let's see. It will be their study throughout endless ages. That is so awesome. Both the redeemed and the unfallen beings will find in the cross of Christ their signs and their song. So everyone else in the entire universe is going to learn from this whole great experiment of the great controversy. And in the cross of Christ where love and anti-love have met, there, there, we we as well as them we the redeemed and them the unfallen will find in that in that cross of christ signs and song so it will be our study and it will be a source of inspiration and art it will be seen that the glory shining in the face of jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love there it is the glory what glory is that it's the glory of self-sacrificing love it's the character the character of Jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love. Awesome, awesome. In the light from Calvary, it will be seen that the law of self-renouncing love is the law of life for earth and heaven. That the love which seeketh not her own has its source in the heart of God. And that in the meek and lowly one is manifested the character of him who dwelleth in the light which no man can approach unto. That is so awesome. The love that seeks not her own. That is from 1 Corinthians 13. So the law of self-renouncing, self-sacrificing love, that is the law of life. Awesome. In the beginning, God was revealed in all the works of creation. It was Christ that spread the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. It was his hand that hung the worlds in space and fashioned the flowers of the field. Wow, that is, that is the role of Jesus in creation. Awesome. His strength setteth fast the mountains. The sea is his and he made it. It was he that filled the earth with beauty and the air with song. And upon all things in earth and air and sky, he wrote the message of the Father's love. Awesome, awesome. So that is why, that is why in nature, you would see this character of God. There's always giving, right? There's taking and giving. That is so awesome. There's taking and giving. And wow, that's because in the first place, Jesus purposefully, purposefully, right weaved that principle of love in the in nature in in everything that he created that is so awesome now though sin has marred god's perfect work yet that handwriting remains so we still see evidence pieces of evidence of god's love in nature even now, all created things declare the glory of his excellence. There is nothing, I, I so love this, there is nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself. No bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves upon the ground, but ministers to some other life. So everything in nature ministers to some other life. There is no leaf of the forest or lowly blade of grass, but has its ministry. Every tree and shrub and leaf pours forth that element of life without which neither man nor animal could live. Yes. And man and animal in turn minister to the life of tree and shrub and leaf. So basically what I think what I can think of right away right now about this is carbon dioxide and uh, oxygen respiration and you know every tree and shrub and leaf pours forth that element of life without which neither man nor animal could live right so the plants essentially give off carbon dioxide right i mean give up oxygen rather they give up oxygen and we need that 
And then also, man and animal in turn minister to the life of tree and shrub and leaf. And yeah, we 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 give off carbon dioxide because that's what they're gonna use. We take in oxygen that's that's coming from them, and uh, we give off carbon dioxide because that is what they need. That is so awesome. It's it's like a circuit. The flowers breathe fragrance and unfold their beauty in blessing to the world. The sun sheds its light to gladden a thousand worlds. Wow. The ocean itself, the source of all our springs and fountains, receives the streams from every land but takes to give. This is what I love so much. This is taking to give. Taking to give. It only takes to give. The mists ascending from its bosom fall in showers to water the earth that it may bring forth and bud wow the angels of glory find their joy in giving so there it is again the word giving the angels of glory find their joy in giving giving love and tireless watch care to souls that are fallen and unholy heavenly beings woo the hearts of men they bring to this dark world light from the courts above by gentle and patient ministry they move upon the human spirit to bring the lost into a fellowship with Christ which is even closer than they themselves can know wow so even the angels are also helping helping out in uh, attracting people drawing people to Christ and that is so awesome but Turning from all lesser representations, we behold God in Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, we see that it is the glory of our God to give. Okay, that is so cool. And how do we connect that with love? Love always gives. It's generous. The direction of love is outward. And love is love does not envy. Envy the direction of envy is inward. You want those things for yourself. Okay, so from outside, you want those things in, but love gives the opposite of envy is generosity and love gives love gives abundantly the glory. It is the glory of our God and to God. Uh, sorry, sorry. Looking unto Jesus, we see that it is the glory of our God to give coal. I do nothing of myself, said Christ. The living father hath sent me. And I live by the Father. I seek not my own glory, but the glory of Him that sent me. That's from John 8, 28, 6, 57, 8, 50, 7, and 18. Now, in these words is set forth the great principle, which is the law of life for the universe. Okay, so what is the law of life for the universe? All things Christ received from God. All things Christ received from God, but he took to give. That is so awesome. That is one of the things that I'm really embracing right now. I mean, these past few months and days and months and weeks and days, right? In these words is set forth the great principle, which is the law of life for the universe. The law of life for the entire universe. And this is the point that I have always like been making. It's that God... I mean, the theory of everything, the theory of everything, whatever holds everything, all the laws of physics and everything together is love. This character of God, this love, this self-giving, self-sacrificing, self-renouncing love. Okay? And this love takes to give. It only takes to give. Okay? And this is the law of life for the whole universe. So in the heavenly courts... In his ministry for all created beings, through the beloved Son, the Father's life flows out to all. Through the Son, it returns in praise and joyous service, a tide of love to the great source of all. That is so awesome too. It's a tide of love. Okay? And thus, through Christ, the circuit of beneficence is complete representing the character of the great giver the law of life wow the character of the great giver god 
his character is the law of life and his character is love and love always gives wow in heaven itself this law was broken in heaven itself this law was broken sin originated in self-seeking there you have it the direction of love is outward the direction of self-seeking is inward and that is how sin came to be that is anti-love the opposite of love so the direction is inward it's self-seeking so the law of love was broken okay it was broken by sin by essentially the opposite of love which is self-seeking which is self-centeredness lucifer the covering cherub desired desired to be the first in heaven wow he sought to gain control there you have it that word also he sought lucifer sought to gain control of heavenly beings to draw them away from their creator and to win their homage to himself so that's how that's how anti-love acts the self is the center and the purpose is to control to gain control of the heavenly beings to draw them away from the creator like i'm getting goosebumps out of this honestly therefore he misrepresented god oh yes therefore satan misrepresented he wasn't satan yet at this point lucifer misrepresented god attributing to him the desire for self-exaltation and we can see that right now when when we picture god as if just wanting glory for himself or wanting you know wanting to just um take all our praises and glory in that no 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 no. that is what satan wants and what he wants to picture um what he wants you to picture in your mind is a god who is like that but that's not god i mean that character that that the way of life is lucifer's way he just wants all the homage to himself that is so cool now therefore lucifer misrepresented god attributing to him the desire for self-exaltation with his own evil characteristics he sought to invest the loving creator and i always see this as like his lucifer is thinking of god as rival as a rival and you know rival and like politics and one of the things that you would want to do or some politicians do is to destroy the image of their rival right to destroy the image of their rival and um (laughs) lucifer is essentially projecting he is projecting him his own characteristics as if they were god's characteristics wow so what's next okay with his own evil characteristics he sought to invest the loving creator that is projection right there thus he deceived angels thus he deceived men okay so that's how lucifer has deceived the angels he was essentially giving out a merchandise <laughs> okay th- there's a sense in that i mean uh in revelation we see that we will come to there but there's a sense that lucifer has been marketing himself by you know by by, by charging things by by saying things about the comp the competition by saying things about the competition saying bad things about them bashing them right if you will now okay so, so that's how lucifer deceived the angels by misrepresenting god okay by saying things about him that's not true okay and thus he deceived men human beings he led them to doubt the word of god that is keyword there to doubt the word of god and to distrust his goodness and how do you doubt someone all right it, when you doubt someone it's about their character right to distrust someone you you do not trust them and their character their their goodness okay so because god is a god of justice and terrible majesty satan caused them to look upon him as severe and unforgiving wow 
Thus he drew men to join him in rebellion against God, and the night of woe settled down upon the world. It's darkness. Now the earth was dark through misapprehension of God, that the gloomy shadows might be lightened, that the world might be brought back to God. Satan's deceptive power was to be broken. This could not be done by force. Wow. Okay, so there again is the analogy that love is light and that anti-love or sin is darkness. And the earth is now dark because it doesn't know it doesn't know what truth is and yeah it has you know been thinking that god is this someone who cannot be trusted all right and um but, but that deceptive power deceptive power by lucifer needs to be broken okay so that light will once again shine forth on earth but how does that how is that going to be broken this could not be done by force the exercise of force is contrary to the principles of God's government. This is so awesome because, because uh, this is right, the opposite of Lucifer. Lucifer wants to gain control. But God doesn't want to, be, to force people. Never. It is contrary to the principles of God's government. He, God, Desires only the service of love, and love cannot be commanded. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, this is so awesome. Love cannot be commanded. You don't demand it. Like, you don't force it. It cannot be won by force or authority. Only by love is love awakened. And that is, okay, I've read that like a hundred times before. But this is just so so amazing. I just wanted to share this. Only by love is love awakened. To know God is to love Him. So you, you cannot really, yeah, you cannot really love Him, like love Him if you don't know Him. His character must be manifested in contrast to the character of Satan. Right. This work only one being in the universe could do. Only one being in the universe could do. Only he who knew the height and depth of the love of God could make it known. Upon the world's dark night, the Son of Righteousness must rise with healing in his wings. Wow. The plan for our redemption was not an afterthought. A plan formulated after the fall of Adam. It was a revelation of the mystery which hath been kept in silence through times eternal. There's a quote. That's a quote from Romans 16 verse 25. It was an unfolding of the principles from that from eternal ages have been the foundation of God's throne. From the beginning, God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan. Wow. They knew because they had foreknowledge as God, right? God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan and of the fall of men through the deceptive power of the apostate. Wow. God did not ordain that sin should exist, but he foresaw its existence. Of course, right? As, as God. God foresaw the existence of sin. And also by virtue of the fact that God gives freedom. So people or beings have the freedom of choice. So God foresaw the existence of sin and he already made provision to meet the terrible emergency. So great was his love for the world that he covenanted to give his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Lucifer had said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So this was Lucifer's ambition. I will be like the Most High. Isaiah 14 verses 13 and 14. But Christ, being in the form of God, counted it not a thing to be grasped to be on any quality with God, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 now here's a note this is fascinating the direction of love is outward 
The direction of anti-love is inward, towards self. Love is towards others. Anti-love is towards self. Now, here's another direction thing. Love is also going to go down. Emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself. The way is down. Lucifer wants to have the way up. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high. Okay? Now, that's fascinating. The way, the way up is actually down, according to Jesus. Because Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Now, this was a voluntary sacrifice. Jesus might have remained at the Father's side. Wow. This was voluntary. He might have retained the glory of heaven and the homage of the angels. But he chose to give back the scepter into God's hands into the Father's hands and to step down from the throne of the universe that he might bring light to the benighted and life to the perishing. Wow. Wow, that, that, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome because Jesus could, not, could have chosen not to do it. He didn't have to do it. Really, he didn't have to, but he did. Because... Because for, 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 what's, for whose sake did Jesus do it? Jesus do it for the sake of the benighted and the perishing. And that, my friends, is us. For our sake, Jesus did it. Nearly 2,000 years ago, a voice of mysterious import was heard in heaven. Sacrifice. Ah, okay. Again, nearly 2,000 years ago, a voice of mysterious import was heard in heaven from the throne of God. Though I come, sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Though I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Hebrews 10, 5-7. In these words is uh, announced the fulfillment of the purpose that had been hidden from eternal ages. Christ was about to visit our world and to become incarnate. 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 Okay. Christ was about to visit our world and to become incarnate. So there's a incarnate. Carne is flesh, right? And there's a body prepared for him. It's essentially infleshing. Okay. He says, Jesus, Christ says, a body hast thou prepared me. Had he appeared with the glory that was his with the Father before the world was, he could not have endured the light of... We could not have endured the light of his presence. If he came without... If he came with the, with the glory that was his, his, like, original, his form, okay? We could not have endured that. That we might behold it and not be destroyed, the manifestation of his glory was shrouded. Wow. His divinity was veiled with humanity, the invisible glory with the visible human form. Wow. Again, that is for our sake. This great purpose had been shadowed forth in types and symbols. The burning bush in which Christ appeared to Moses revealed God. The symbol chosen for the representation of the deity was a, was a lowly shrub that seemingly had no attractions. This enshrined the infinite. Wow, that is so awesome. We can't grasp the infinite. But now he is representing himself with something that is so humble. Lowly shrub. Seemingly had no attractions. The all-merciful God... Shrouded his glory in a most humble type that Moses could look upon it and live. So in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, God communicated with Israel, revealing to men his will and imparting to them his grace. God's glory was subdued and his majesty veiled that the weak vision of finite men might behold it. So Christ was to come in the body of our humiliation. Philippians 3.21 In the likeness of men. In the eyes of the world, he possessed 
no beauty that they should desire him. Yet he was the incarnate God, the light of heaven and earth. His glory was veiled, his greatness and majesty were hidden, that he might draw near to sorrowful, tempted men. I always remember this song. How can you reach a world you never touch? How can we reach a world we never touch? Right? We come to people where they are. Where they are. Wow, that, that really makes me think, you know. And, yeah. That he might draw near to us. To sorrowful, tempted men. He approaches us in humble, humble form in humble humble form god commanded moses for israel let them make me a sanctuary that i may dwell among them exodus 25 8 and he abode in the sanctuary in the midst of his people through all their weary wandering in the desert the symbol of his presence was with them so christ set up a so Christ set up his tabernacle in the midst of our human encampment. He pitched his tent by the side of the tents of men that he might dwell among us and make us familiar with his divine character and life. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Wow. Since Jesus came to dwell with us, we know that God is acquainted with our trials. Wow. And sympathizes with our griefs. Every son and daughter of Adam may understand that our creator is the friend of sinners. Yes. Yes. Yes to that. Yes. You know what? I always imagine this. I mean, God could know what our experiences are without having to come here. Yes. But we cannot believe that. That he actually knows. Think about it. Okay, allow me a few minutes to just, you know, give this illustration. Let's just say that... Let's just say that someone... Someone... uh, Someone rich... Is going to come to us and say, you know what, money doesn't count. Money is not really that important. Um, money is not the most important thing in the world. And then and then y- that person is saying to us, and here we are, we are <laughs> bankrupt. We are, uh, let's just say, at, at in a situation where we really need money. Okay, because we have nothing to eat. We don't have food to eat anymore. And someone comes to us and says to us, and we know that he's rich because we, we can see it in his garments. We can see it in his clothing, his car, and everything. His <laughs> How he says things and how he behaves and, and the, all the polished and the polished shoes and the, the tuxedo and the, 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 you know, just the look of him. And uh, yeah. And then he comes to us and says, oh, money is not really important. How can you know? That's how we would say it. I mean, that's how we would respond. If we're coming from a place of bankruptcy and having nothing to eat and in, in a place of poverty, we would say to the person, how could you say that? That that the money is not really important. Here we are. We are starving. We, we have no resources. We have no food. We have no place to live. So you see... We, we can't know. We, if we are in the position of this struggle and we hear someone on the other side of the road saying to us that, okay, okay, you can do this. Uh, yeah, but, but we, can't, we can't seem to grasp. Even if that person really knows, let's just say that from, you know, fr- from a thousand, I mean, <laughs> not a thousand, but a few years back, he was in the same position as we We've been through. We we cannot know that for sure when he approaches us in the in such a in such a posture in such a you know really ramped up lifestyle and he comes to us and says that money isn't important and yeah right from our perspective we would not see that he can actually relate to us but if we would know their story if we would know that they've been here too then then somehow we could ac- accept that. But still, still, 
when they approach us in in s- such a you know just such radi <laughs> such radiance because of all the riches that he now is enjoying and his, he's not really helping us you know it's hard to still relate to that person now when it comes to god god knows for sure what our situation is because he's god and he knows everything he doesn't have to experience it for him to know it like theoretically he can just know what we are feeling right now right he can yeah but from our perspective we would not we would not and it would not be easy for us to imagine that because we want someone to be relatable we want to connect with someone we want <laughs> i don't know we we would judge it as if you know someone doesn't really know our situation unless they look like it which is why it's really helpful then when you counsel someone and when you listen to someone you just you you come to them you sympathize with them and you act, you mourn with them will you mourn with those who mourn and you rejoice with those who rejoice right right well, and you come from a place of you know sympathize sympathizing with them from a place of sympathy and empathy empathy you would want to put your shoes in theirs and you would want to experience the very same things that they are experiencing that's how that's how we take comfort right when we when we are down and distressed we are comforted if the people who care about us will be with us with us now this is so awesome because I think my keyword here is with God wants to be with us and to demonstrate that to demonstrate that they know they are also experiencing this with us so that we can take comfort in that and find strength in that <laughs> okay let's let's continue yeah okay I'm, let me just uh, reread the paragraph because I haven't you know okay Since Jesus came to dwell with us, we know that God is acquainted with our trials. That's what I'm saying. And we know that he sympathizes with our griefs. Every son and daughter of Adam may understand that our creator is the friend of sinners. For in every doctrine of grace, every promise of joy, every deed of love, every divine attraction presented in the savior's life on earth, we see god with us there it is again the word with now satan represents god's law of love as a law of selfishness wow that is projection once again the law of love is not selfishness it is clearly other centeredness because the its posture is giving its its direction is giving it's towards the others But Satan projects his own character into this. Satan represents God's law of love as a law of selfishness. He declares that it is impossible for us to obey its precepts. The fall of our first parents with all the woe that has resulted, he charges upon the creator. There it is again, projection. Leading men to look upon God as the author of sin and suffering and death. That is exactly <laughs> why One of the ultimate questions that we ask in this world is that if God is love then why is there so much suffering in this world? It is one of Satan's aims and objectives to actually point all these sufferings as coming from God, but it's actually coming from him, Lucifer, Satan. Jesus was to unveil this deception. Awesome. As one of us, Jesus, he was to give an example of obedience right for this he took upon himself our nature and passed through our experiences in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren wow we are now siblings i mean jesus is our brother hebrews 2:17 that's where the the quote is coming from in all things it uh, behooved him to be made like unto his brethren in all things if we had to bear anything which jesus did not endure then upon this point satan would represent the power of god as insufficient for us awesome 
So that's why Jesus is now or has endured everything that we needed to endure. Therefore, Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are. Hebrews 4.15 He endured every trial to which we are subject. And he exercised in his own behalf no power that is not freely offered to us. Okay, now this is a promise. Jesus exercised in his own behalf no power that is not freely offered to us. What does that mean? It means that everything that Jesus used to overcome the devil, everything that Jesus used to overcome temptation, that everything is also available to us. So he is not he is not more advantageous to us. Jesus is just like us. He stripped himself of abilities. God like God abilities, God God attributes, godly attributes so that he can come face to face with temptation just as he would so that Jesus only exercised those things, those human attributes that we also can can use to overcome temptation. As man, Jesus, he met temptation and overcame them in the strength given him from God. As man, he overcame, Jesus overcame temptation as man, not as God. Which gives us hope that if Jesus did it as a human being, then we can also do it as human beings. Jesus overcame in the strength given him from God. He says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Psalm 40 verse 8. As he went about doing good and healing all who were afflicted by Satan, he made plain to men the character of God's law and the nature of his service. Wow, the nature of God's service and the character of God's law. His life, Jesus' life, testifies that it is possible for us also to obey the law of God. Wow. Because the law of God is just love, right? Yes. To act according to love. To live according to love. By his humanity, Christ touched humanity. By his divinity, he lays hold upon the throne of God. As the Son of Man, he gave us an example of obedience. As the Son of God, he gives us power to obey. That is so awesome. As our Savior... It was Christ who from the bush on Mount Horeb spoke to Moses saying, I am that I am. Well, that was Jesus. That was Christ. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Exodus 3.14 This was the pledge of Israel's deliverance. So, when he came in the likeness of men, he declared himself the I am. The child of Bethlehem, the meek and lowly Savior, is God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 And to us he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the living bread. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. John 10, 11, 6, 51, 14, 6, and Matthew 28, 18. I am the assurance of every promise. I am. Be not afraid. God with us is the surety of our deliverance from sin. The assurance of our power to obey the law of heaven. I love how Aunt Ellen, I call her Aunt Ellen. Yeah, how she, you know, writes, how she writes and, and just makes this, this word play. And I love it. And it's not just word play. It's, it's beautiful use of words, right? So, be not afraid. God with us is the surety. He is the surety of our deliverance from sin. He is the assurance, the surety and the assurance, right? He is the assurance of our power to obey 
So, deliverance from sin, deliverance from sin is, it, it corresponds to the power to obey the law of heaven. Because sin is simply, you know, transgressing or disobeying the law. And what is the law? The law of love, right? It gives us the power to obey the law of love. In other words, it gives us, he, Jesus, gives us the power to live by the principle of love. In stooping to take upon himself humanity, Christ revealed a character, the opposite of the character of Satan. There it is again. But he stepped still lower in the path of humiliation. So Christ's direction, Christ's way is downward. He stepped still lower in the path of humiliation. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Philippians 2 verse 8. As the high priest laid aside his gorgeous pontifical robes and officiated in the white linen dress of the common priest, so Christ took the form of a servant and offered sacrifice himself the priest, himself the victim. We can explore more about this when we study the sanctuary. But for now... Christ is also the sacrifice. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Isaiah 53 verse 5. And now here comes the, one of my most favorite quotes ever from the writings of Alan White. It's the Desire of Ages, page 25. Here it is. Hear it. Christ was treated as we deserve, that we might be treated as he deserves. He was condemned for our sins in which he had no share, that we might be justified by his righteousness in which we had no share. He suffered the death which was ours, that we might receive the life which was his with his stripes, we are healed. And that is the best thing ever. Right? Right. But by his life and death, by his life and his death, Christ has achieved even more than recovery from the ruin wrought through sin. It was Satan's purpose to bring about an eternal separation between God and man. But in Christ, we become more closely united to God than if we had never fallen. Now, that is amazing. Amazing, right? How God could just transform all these, the chaos and, and the experience of sin. God is an expert in turning something so ugly into something so beautiful. Right? In Christ, we become more closely united to God than if we had never fallen. Why? Because Jesus is now. <laughs> okay, here it is. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's the, here's the sentence. Okay. In taking our nature, the Savior has bound himself to humanity by a tie that is never to be broken. Jesus is going to be forever human being. And divine also. In taking our nature, the Savior has bound himself to humanity by a tie that is never to be broken. Through the eternal ages, he is linked with us. Amen. He is linked with us. God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. He gave him not only to bear our sins and to die as our sacrifice. He gave him, the Father, God, gave Jesus, the Son, the Son, to the fallen race. And what does that mean? He's now one with us. He's forever going to be human. To assure us of his immutable counsel of peace, God gave his only begotten Son to become one of the human family forever to retain his human nature. Awesome. So, so cool. This is the pledge that God will fulfill his word unto us. 
a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and god has adopted human nature in the person of his son and has carried the same to the highest heaven it is the son of man who shares the throne of the universe it is the son of man whose name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace isaiah 9 6 the i am is the day's man between god and humanity laying his hand upon both he who is holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners is not ashamed to call us brethren wow because he really is our brother now hebrews seven twenty six to 11 and to 11 in Christ, the family of earth and the family of heaven are bound together. Christ glorified is our brother. Yes, heaven is enshrined in humanity and humanity is enfolded in the bosom of infinite love. Of his people, God says, They shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Zechariah 9, 16 and 17. The, the exaltation of the redeemed will be an eternal testimony to God's mercy. In the ages to come, he will show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. To the intent that unto the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places might be made known the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 7, 3, 10, and 11. Through Christ's redeeming work, the government of God stands justified. The, omni the omnipotent one is made known as the God of love. There it is. That is the purpose. The main purpose of it all. The omnipotent one is made known as the God of love. Satan's charges are refuted. Yes. And Satan's character is unveiled. Rebellion can never again arise. I so love this first chapter of the Desire of Ages because it sets the stage, sets the stage to everything. Rebellion can never again arise. Sin can never again enter the universe. Through eternal ages, through eternal ages, all are secure from apostasy by love's self-sacrifice. The inhabitants of earth and heaven are bound to their creator in bonds of indissoluble union awesome because everyone else in this vast universe all the other unfallen beings will and are seeing now the effects of uh, the rebellion and the, the principle of the anti-love and love god's love will win okay the work of redemption will be complete in the place where sin abounded, God's grace much more abounds. The earth itself, the very field that Satan claims as his, is to be not only ransomed but exalted. Our little world, under the curse of sin, the one dark blot in his glorious creation, will be honored above all other worlds in the universe of God. Here, where the Son of God tabernacled in humanity, where the King of glory lived and suffered and died, here, when he shall make all things new, the tabernacle of God shall be with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And through endless ages, as the redeemed walk, in the light of the Lord, they will praise him for his unspeakable gift. Emmanuel, God with us. Awesome. So the word for the day. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm also doing what David Ashwick is doing. He has a word for the day. I mean, word for the chapter. And for me, the word for this chapter is with. It's with. So what have we gotten? Th we have gotten so much. And I love how we did this. That we just read and, you know, just shared the insights. 
So, so by the way, that was the end of the first chapter, and I really loved it so much. And the word is with because it's it's the purpose of why Jesus came to this earth to be with us to demonstrate God's character of love. Okay, so that actually already ended, and that is so awesome. That is so cool. Let's just close this with prayer, okay? Dear God, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the beautiful insights that you have given us through the Desire of Ages, the very first chapter, God with us. Thank you for being with us, for giving the gift of Jesus Christ forever, now one with human beings. Thank you for experiencing this great experiment of sin with us and thank you for giving us the power to actually live the principle of love thank you for forgiving us for demonstrating what love really is and how it really acts and how it really embraces us and so thank you so much and may people be blessed as they hear this and yes Looking forward to the next things that you would be teaching us throughout this journey with the desire of ages. Give us the strength to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.